Ignatius Press presents Father Fessio in Five. In this special bonus episode, taken from the Formed Book Club, Father Joseph Fessio talks to Ignatius Press senior editor Vivian Dudro about his mentor, the Jesuit Henri de Lubac, considered by many to be one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century. Henri de Lubac, Jesuit, became a cardinal. He was my mentor in France back in 1969 and 1972. I knew him very well. I became actually his secretary for a while, kind of informally. He's a great man of the church, a wonderful Jesuit, a great human being. And I think with Ratzinger and Balthasar will one day be seen as fathers of the church of the 20th century. He entered the Jesuits a year before World War I started. And then as a novice, he was inducted into the French military and he served there for five years during World War One, and then he came back and finished his second novitiate. So he was the longest novitiate probably in the Jesuit history. But because of this injury, he was not able to attend classes during philosophy and part of theology. And so what he did in his convalescence, he read the entire Patrologia Latina and Greca, that is the patrology of this famous scholar of Minya in the 19th century. So he read all the fathers of the church, the Latin fathers, the Greek fathers, and it just shows he's quoting, I mean, he quotes Augustine and Aquinas and Origen and so on, but he's also quoting, I don't know, uh, Faustus of Ries and uh, Diognetus and people people never heard of. I mean, this man basically immersed himself in the whole history of the church, and then you, you see that in his writings. Well, during the Second World War, he was working on a book called Surnatural, the Supernatural. And it was basically an attempt, I think successful, to show that some more contemporary ways of presenting Thomas Aquinas had been rigidified and made into manuals, you know, and theses and so on. But the real Thomas Aquinas was much more rich, and he was one who brought together the whole Patricia tradition, especially with respect to the relation between nature and grace. Well, this uh, disturbed certain Dominicans in Rome, and they prevailed upon the Pope to go to the Jesuit general and tell Father de Lubac he could no longer teach or write. He was not teaching at the time. They didn't even know that. Uh, but he was told by the Jesuit general no longer to teach or write, which he accepted. And then a few years later, he was told, well, uh, you can't write on the Orthodox religion, but you can write on the unorthodox ones, the hetero- heretical one. So he wrote three books on Buddhism, which are quite well regarded. And then Thierry de Chardin. Thierry de Chardin was a Jesuit, an anthropologist or archaeologist, and also a, kind of a poetic philosopher. But he was not allowed to publish his writings until he died, and then his sister published what was there. The Jesuit provincial tasked Father de Lubac with defending Thierry de Chardin, who was a friend of de Lubac's. And my view, which I think is a correct view, of course, is that Thierry de Chardin was neither the Messiah of the progressive movement, nor was he the heretic as seen by the traditionalists. But he was someone trying to reconcile uh, modern developments in science and archaeology and biology with the Catholic faith. And because he was not allowed to publish what he wrote, he didn't have the interchange with other scholars, which would have helped to correct him. So de Lubac took upon himself the task of showing what Terry was actually doing 
and criticizing what was there to be criticized, but also showing the, the deep faith Taron had. So it was only then after that that he was kind of rehabilitated, Lubach was. And then in 1962, he became a paritis at the Second Vatican Council. That was probably the most important figure in drafting and reworking the doctrine of the Church of Magentium, which and then he be, was named a cardinal. The full, the second, a full yeah. exoneration occurred. And in fact, I was very pleased to see when John Paul II was uh, elected pope, uh, his first encyclical was Redemptor Hominis. And in papal encyclicals, you normally are quoting either previous church documents or Fathers of the Church or Thomas Aquinas. But there were two living authors that were quoted and footnoted in John Paul II's first encyclical, Henri de Lubac and Hansel von Balthasar. And while he was under this order of no teaching, no writing, or whatever, he was obedient. He was completely obedient. Yes. That's right. And that's also a sign of tremendous holiness to when you obey your superiors, even when they're wrong and you know they're wrong. And not only obedient, but I... I, I studied at Fouvier in France, where he was there in residence, and people there who had been in residence with him during the time that he was told not to teach or to write anymore. And uh, I was given a first-hand account of this story. In France, after lunch, we'd go down into the basement common room and have a little demitasse, which was like coffee that was about the, uh, the consistency of used mortar oil. I mean, it was just dark and thick and viscous, which you, you put this cube of sugar in the middle of it, and then you'd sip the thing. But when this had happened, uh, there was great consternation among the faculty, there, and they were criticizing the Pope, saying, how could he do this? How could he allow this to happen to Father Dubach? And Father Dubach left the room and saying, I cannot have you speak about the Pope in this way in my presence. And... He didn't write the book under the church during that time, but he was allowed to give talks, which he did. And then when he was rehabilitated, he published those talks in the spirit of the church. Okay, okay. good. Let's put it on the list. Uh, uh, another thing, I can't exactly say we were French because uh, he was 50 years older than I am, you know, was. <laughs> but we certainly became very close to, together. And he, he really gave himself to me and gave me so much. But so whenever I, I would go to Europe and go through France, I would stop to see him. So uh, one of these uh, trips I took years ago, I had a, you know, a day over in France, in Paris. And so I always go to Notre Dame because that's just such a phenomenal place. But I, I went up to his room. And at that time, he was living in Rue de Sèvres, a Jesuit residence in Paris. And, uh, because I took a, a, a red-eye flight, I hadn't said Mass, and he had a little chapel off his room. And so I asked him if I could say Mass in his chapel, he said, yes, fine. And so I said Mass, and he, Cardinal Dubach, served my Mass on his knees. And he was in his 70s or 80s, you know. Then, <laughs> then after we're talking after the Mass in his little, little office there, and he has to go to the bathroom. And so while he's in the bathroom, I look at his bookshelf, and there's this dossier. The French have these little kind of 
they're kind of a orangish, grayish kind of a cover that you have your middle envelopes and things like that. And I saw a papal correspondence. Oh, what's in, what's in there? So while I was in the bathroom, I quickly looked at it. You didn't. I did, yeah. And uh, I have this correspondence with him and John Paul too. And it's so beautiful. The great respect that, that John Paul II had for the Dubac. In fact, I was I was uh, I was in the Dubac's room once, 1970 or something like that. And his room was just full of bo- you know bookshelves everywhere and all sorts of stuff. And the phone rings. So I get up to leave. No, no. You can stay there, you know. I hear this conversation. Uh, oh, no, no, I really can't. I, I'm not well. I, I can't. I, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it. So he hangs up. I said, what's that all about? He said, well, that was Cardinal Villo. Uh, he wants me to come to the initial meeting of the International Papal Theological Commission in Rome, but I, I really can't. I'm not feeling well, and I, I can't go alone. And no one accompany me. I said, well, I'll accompany you, you know. Oh, really? Would you? So he calls up the Cardinal right there, you know. I can come. I can come. So I actually I accompanied him to Rome for this meeting of the Papal Theological Commission, and uh, it was phenomenal. He, uh, we were walking down the street, and this other priest came up who looked like a priest, but turns out he was Cardinal Boitiwa. Oh, I did it back. And so I got introduced to Cardinal Boitiwa, and then... Because he was in Rome, he was asked to give a public talk at the French National Church, uh, St. Luigi, in Passa Navona. And so we go into this talk, and, and he's been sick. I, I've, I've had to kind of shepherd around town because he's getting out of bed, and he's very, very weak and everything. And I'm sitting between Hans-Joseph Balthasar and Carol Wojtyla watching Lubach give this talk. And he's at this table. And the talk is on the role of Peter and the early papacy in the church. And he's, you know, you can see his face is kind of bloodless. He's pale. He's just been lying in bed after the afternoon. And he begins to talk about the role of Peter and the role of your papacy. And you can see the blood come back. It was like, it was like watching the resurrection, you know. And at the end, he's a very energetic person, you know, in his own way. He says, we've got to take, we have to take a walk. And so we, we leave the talk, we go out on the street. He turns to me, he says, J'ai fait mon devoir comme Jésuite. J'ai défendu le pape. I've done my duty as Jesuit. I've defended the Pope. Great man. If you have a question you'd like Father Fessio to answer, or an idea for an episode, go to fessio.podbean.com and use the Ask Father Fessio app near the top of the page. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, and give it a review. And for books, movies, and much more from Ignatius Press, go to ignatius.com. If you want to help support our mission, click the donate button. Music by Dominic Del Curdo.